everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter, here in the book of Exodus. Uh, I just love this story. I mean, the conflict, right, between Pharaoh and Moses. It's like this, uh, this like chess game or something, and it's going back and forth. And just in this last chapter, in chapter five, it seems like Pharaoh's winning, right? Like he's already, you know, taken the queen or something like that. Uh, but uh, we're seeing that this is actually all unfolding according to God's plan. So we're looking at that here in chapter 6 today, that uh, God has to reassure Moses. And uh, then we get this genealogy, you know, which uh, is is an interesting thing because, you know, like we've seen so many times, we get these lists, and uh, they're the favorite. I mean, my goodness, our guest today is going to be so excited that he has this list today. It's probably why he picked Exodus, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, we got this list, and you're kind of like, well, now hang on a second. How does this factor into all the, the the excitement and the drama here? Well, that's what we'll be talking about today. Joining us, we've got one of our regular guests. We've got Pastor John Lekumski uh, from Southern Illinois, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics, which you can catch here on KFUO. So uh, yeah, well, you know, when we have you on, brother, I, I, I like to say that the show becomes uh, wrestling with thy strong word. Yeah, so wrestling <laughs> with thy word or something like that. It's a crossover. And that's what we'll be doing with this list, huh? <laughs> that's right. It's a crossover event today. And yes, you're right. I just love the genealogies. Thank you right. so much. <laughs> the whole reason you do this. That's right. I know. I know. <laughs> so what are you going to do? The all genealogy. <laughs> Thy strong word. Nothing but genealogies. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, that could be its own show. It really could. But yeah. Oh, there you go. We should make off. you the host of that. Oh, there we go. Yes. <laughs> Thanks a lot. You are so nice, AJ. <laughs> but but uh. but no, seriously, seriously, John. Though, um, yeah. So, what what do you think about this? Uh, I mean, it's it, it's interesting. I mean, we we've talked about these genealogies before, and. You know, I think that one of the more, more uh, you got them obviously in, in Luke and uh, Matthew too, but sometimes the placement of these were kind of like, you know, scratching our heads like, now why, why would you put this here? Well, and, and, and uh, uh, I, I think when we see the circumstances and we read the opening words, I, I think we'll see the sense of the genealogy uh, because the point God is making is, look, I'm always doing what I said I'm going to do. Uh, and, and let's just do a little historical look. Let's go back and look through what's happened. And, and you'll see that, that nothing is going on that I didn't tell you. I, I prophesied all this. I prophesied your slavery. I prophesied it would be for four generations. But I also prophesied that I was going to deliver you. So, like, you know, you need to know that. Uh, history always works out the way God says it's going to work out. So I think that's part of the point. And, and then, of course, I think there's all kinds of parallels in this genealogy to the genealogy that we have of Jesus, particularly Matthew's genealogy of Jesus. And we can talk about some of those details when we get there. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that the, the genealogy, like so many lists, right, ends up being way cooler than we all thought it was. And it's actually oh, yeah. where, like you said, you, you, you see Christ, you, you see the plan of redemption, so yeah, not the part that you just skip over because ah uh, boring. But yeah, so good to be <laughs> getting into that today. Um, though we will be having you read that part. Oh, just kidding. Thank you. Just kidding. Just 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 kidding. Just kidding. No. Uh, okay. Let's be more serious here. Would you, <laughs> brother? Would you open us up here with a prayer? 
Lord, thank you for giving us this particular scripture, because this scripture speaks to what we're going through right now. We, we know that you love us. We know that you are our redeemer and our deliverer, but you seem like you're not doing a very good job of it. <laughs> we look in the world around you and all we see is, is protest and violence and racism. And, and then this whole COVID-19, what sense is there in all of this? Uh, and yet we come to your people Israel when they were in the same situation where it seemed like your presence had not helped, but it made things worse. So help us to hear the comfort you provide to Moses and the Israelites, and may we hear that comfort for our own day and time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. All right, well, let's go ahead then without any further ado. We'll read the chapter. Okay, maybe a little bit of a do. Is there, is there anything that, that we should be keeping an eye or an ear out for as, as we read this chapter? I mean, I mean, obviously, we've already kind of talked about that here comes this genealogy, but maybe even key names that we should be listening for or, or just kind of some important things to know before we go ahead and let the thing speak for itself. Just two things. Number one, again, remember the context. Uh, we heard in the last chapter, then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why right. did you send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. So things right. are not working the way Moses thought they were supposed to work. If anything, things had gotten worse. And so now this is the Lord encouraging Moses. And then I think the second thing before we get to the genealogy is the name the name of God, the, the various names of God that are used here, because I think they're really, really significant in terms of uh, the comfort uh, that the Lord is trying to provide to Moses. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, like this has been so much about names we've seen, whether we talked about Moses and Gershom and uh, Eliezer or whether it's the name of God himself. I mean, these, these names are all significant. So, yeah, we'll want to spend a little bit of time talking about the, the, what the names mean once we get there. But so, very so, so, good. So, maybe we should stop at the genealogy and then talk about those verses and then pick up the genealogy. I mean, it's your show. You do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe I was giving you a little bit too much with the whole crossover thing. Now it's gone to your head. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and read the whole thing. But, you know, uh, we'll definitely want to go and read over some of the names a second time, probably because I won't get okay. it right the first time. But yeah, we'll, 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 go, we'll go back. It'll be fine. All right. So here's Exodus chapter six here from the top. But the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand you will send them out, and with a strong hand you will drive them out of this land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say, therefore, to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. 
I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the Lord said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of this out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. These are the heads of their fathers' houses, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, Hanak, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. These are the clans of Reuben, the sons of Simeon, Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, Shaul, the son of a Canaanite woman. These are the clans of Simeon. These are the names of the sons of Levi, according to their generations, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari, the years of the life of Levi being 137 years. The sons of Gershon, Libni, and Shimei, by their clans. The sons of Kohath, Amram, Izhar, Hebron, Uziel, the years of the life of Kohath being 133 years. The sons of Merari, Mali, and Mushi. These are the clans of the Levites, according to their generations. Amram took as his wife Jacobed, his father's sister, and she bore him Aaron and Moses, the years of the life of Amram being 137 years, the years of Izhar, Korah, Nepheg and Zikri, the sons of Uziel, Mishael, Elzaphon, and Sithri. Aaron took as his wife Elisheba, the daughter of Aminadab and the sister of Nashon, and she bore him Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. The sons of Korah, Asir, Elkanah, and Asiaph, Abiaseph, these are the clans of the Korahites. Eliezer, Aaron's son, took as his wife one of the daughters of Putiel, and she bore him Phineas. These are the heads of the fathers' houses, the Levites, by their clans. These are the Aaron and the Moses, to whom the Lord said, Bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their hosts. It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing, them, bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt, this Moses and this Aaron. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, I have uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? All right. So th this is, I'll, I'll just say, this is why I wanted to read the whole thing together, because we, we see here in the list, the list even kind of tells us itself it's not just a list and there's this really emphatic construction here where it, it says um you know this moses and this aaron these are the guys who went and talked to moses and then it goes and actually kind of repeats that last bit of the narrative so the, the narrative itself seems to be saying hey it's really important that you understand who exactly it was who went to go and say this um well, I mean, and, and then so I think the question then is, you know, why does why does the narrative think it's so important that we don't think it was maybe some other Moses and some other Aaron or um, or, or that we have any like wrong ideas about this? So 
uh, I think, um, among other things, that this is kind of another one of these narrative moves that's undercutting what Abraham, or rather, undercutting what Moses has just said, um, where he just says, I mean, this, and it's interesting that the ESC preserves this for us. He says, I have uncircumcised lips. Lest we think that that is correct, <laughs> we have a list that shows he is clearly not of uncircumcised lips. So I, I think that's a little bit of what's going on, that this is just one of these moves here that the narrative is making to say, like, okay, don't trust exactly what Moses is saying. Moses, he complains, but he's wrong. I don't know. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of one of the ways I, I, I feel like this is, is going. But what, what do you think, kind of putting these things all together? No, and I, I really like that. I really like that. So, so obviously, no, your uncircumcision is not, <laughs> it's not what's going on here. No, you're part of a whole bunch of people that have been circumcised, and a part of the people that I've chosen for myself. So, I, I like that. I had not thought of that connection, but I agree with you, AJ. It's just no, and and maybe not only to the to the uh, um, reader, but to Moses himself. You know, that, that not only do we need to remember this is the Aaron, this is the Moses, this is not a fluke, this is not an accident. God's been working on this for, for hundreds of years to get these guys here where he needs them to speak to Pharaoh. But he's probably saying that to Moses, too. What, what do you think, Moses? I just picked you <laughs> out of the crowd. Yeah. I just threw the dice, and there suddenly is Moses. No, no. I've been laying this plan out for a long, long time. In fact, all the way back to Abraham, uh, uh, Isaac, and Jacob, when I promised them that they were going to have this covenant of the land of Cana. Uh, so, I, but I really do like your connection there with the that I'm of uncircumcised lips. Although I think right. we need to talk about what what does that exactly mean? What is this <laughs> complaint there? Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, we we keep ending up with these these fantastic words. Last time we looked at the word evil, and, and we saw how um, honestly the problem is more interpreting the King James evil than um, oh, yes. than even yeah. than the Hebrew word. But yeah. But here here we got uncircumcised and. Um, I mean, we'll 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 get there, but I guess we since we are already talking about it here, it's kind of a maybe the because it, it, it is kind of the center of the of the chapter actually. Um, it, it's it's this fun word where it it can mean kind of a, well, kind of the same thing as actually that that old sense of the word evil, where it's just kind of like bad, no good, uh, low quality, um, particularly in the sense of unskilled or inept. Um, so, you know, he's, he's basically just saying, I'm, I'm, but I'm bad at talking. <laughs> and uh, what's, what's fascinating is that he's, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's weird. He's, it's like he's taking, the, he's taking credit for the, for the failure here. Um, like, oh, well, the, the thing is, uh, the reason why Moses, uh, why, why I'm not getting listened to, right, uh, the people aren't listening to me. Mo uh, Pharaoh's not listening to me. It's because I'm just not I'm not doing a good enough job. Which there's there's so much irony in it, right? Because um, this is something I think we relate to that we 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 kind of have this kind of faux humility where it's like, oh, it's it's my fault, you know. But the weird thing is, by saying that, now we're saying that like we're the ones who are in control of this. <laughs> that it's all up to me. Um, that like I am the one on whom this all depends. It, you know, if I get it wrong, then it's going to fail. If I get it right, then it's success, Wh which is a way of actually making ourselves bigger than we really are. It's actually a way of inflating ourselves and expanding 
our sphere of control. So, yeah, I, I think that that's a little bit of what's going on here, that Moses wants to say this is all about his skill in speaking, um, but God's saying, <laughs> just like what you were saying, John, uh, no, 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 Moses. So it has nothing to do with, you know, how good you are at this. You have been chosen. This time has been chosen. This place has been chosen by yours truly. I'm the one who's in control. And, and, and when we get back to the genealogy, uh, we'll see a little bit of that, too, because in the genealogy, uh, there are all these sinners uh, that get mentioned. Uh, and yet that doesn't stop God from accomplishing what he wants to accomplish. But but I'm wondering, uh, AJ, uh, I'm wondering if when he says uncircumcised lips, maybe he's even suggesting more than what he suggested earlier when he just said he was slow of speech. I, I wonder if he isn't also questioning his very spiritual uh, um, um, credibility or, or, or uh, properness to be having this position. Because, you know, when uncircumcised is used, uh, it's often used of the hearts. It's often used of the ears uh, of people who just aren't really trusting in God the way they should trust in him. Uh, and I wonder if there isn't even a parallel there with, with Isaiah, uh, you know, uh, when he begins his prophecy by saying, woe is me for I'm lost, for I'm a man of unclean lips. Uh, mm. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. So I don't know. I, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I think when, when he changes from the phrase before that he was just slow of speech and he uses uncircumcised lips, I wonder if he isn't even questioning his, um, his suitability because of his own spiritual nature. I don't know. Yeah. Well, no, I think, I think that's there. So the, the thing is with this word that we have for uncircumcised, it's, um, it, it's not just simply, I mean, it's interesting because in, in English, right, uncircumcised, it, it's, it's a compound where you have, you know, circumcision, there's like a verb there, and then you stick on the front that un, right? So it's just not this, right? Um, but this word does not simply mean just kind of someone who hasn't had this procedure done. It's a different sense. Um, there's no kind of un um, prefix on the front of it. It, it just... Um, it just refers to a part of the anatomy and as a, a way of just referring to this what, thing. What, what part of the anatomy? No, we won't the, get into that. The part that's removed in the circumcision, John. <laughs> <laughs> so it just, it just refers to that. And, and, and the thing is, so this is uh, what you would then refer to as metonymy uh, or, uh, or even um, synecdoche, where it's uh, the, the part that's referring to the whole. And so it just refers then to um, the whole like uncircumcised person or uh, more particularly like the whole uncircumcised people, right? So, I mean, that's, that's really an interesting way when you look at the way this is, this is used. Um, I mean, I was looking at this particular uh, word in the context of Genesis seventeen fourteen, where it, it really is a way of referring to like an uncircumcised people also. So, I mean, the word, it does both where, where you can say it's like um, unskilled or inept, but it also kind of just it's almost just saying like I have Gentile lips or um, like if if you were a, if you were a Greek speaker, this is actually this is a really good analogy here. Um, if, if you were a Greek speaker, like a couple thousand years later, you might say, oh, I have barbarian lips, which would mm -hmm. be a way of saying um, both um, that, that I will. I'm no good at speaking, but also a way of saying that I'm clumsy and lousy because, you know, that's why we call them barbarians because we think that they sound like bar 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 so i mean it does it does both at the same time and so kind of like both of those things are in play which um yeah which which then like plays into this genealogy where it's like 
is the reason why Moses is so bad at this because he's just not the right guy, because he doesn't have the right credentials, uh, because, you know, he just doesn't have it. Um, you know, because that's the way that this ancient narrative stuff was. Um, if you were excellent, if you were awesome at something, right, it's because you were born to be that way. And uh, the genealogy here is saying, look, um, no, that's that's not the issue here. Um, Moses, Moses was, in fact, chosen for this, but it just it just points to God, as you were saying, though, as the cause. Yeah, and, and that's the thing that, that uh, addresses us, because we, we feel inadequate. That, that, that's built in to our sinful flesh, and the devil is so quick to remind us of our inadequacy. But, but of course, that's the heart of, of uh, Christianity, to be able to say, well, you're absolutely right. I am inadequate. There's no reason in the world why God should be using someone like me. But that's the whole thing about God. He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. He chooses people like like the like Saul, for example, to become yep. one of his greatest missionaries. Uh, that's just, he takes people like Peter. That's exactly what he does. He goes out of his way to pick the people with uncircumcised lips, as it were, and then uses them for his purpose so that when things are said and done, we all know, oh, it wasn't Moses that did this. Like you said, that's the implication here. Moses said, it's on my back. And God said, no, it's not on your back. I'm the one that's going to do this, is what you see repeated, by the way, at the beginning of this chapter, over and over again. The Lord is going to do this, not you, right. Moses. So let's not worry about whether you're circumcised lips or not. Well, yeah, and this really, yeah, it's interesting because it does, I think, play into what you have in the New Testament. It's almost interesting that the 12 apostles don't have genealogies, um, but they do have this extremely close connection to the Lord Jesus, because it seems like the 12 apostles were also all Galileans, um, maybe not all necessarily from Nazareth, but that, that was actually a really big deal, that the Lord Jesus was known as a Galilean, and in fact was probably yes. identified by having a Galilean accent, you know, because that, that would have been a way of, um, if not quite being a man of uncircumcised lips, was like just like, well, but he's clearly not you know, like a Jerusalem-born noble who, you know, is actually going to amount to anything. And, and so I, I think that that's a little bit of kind of almost what you have in the New Testament, that, you know, when the Lord Jesus comes, he really is kind of fulfilling that prophecy of Isaiah, like, you know, hey, he's, he doesn't look special. Um, you know, he's not, he doesn't seem exceptional. Uh, he, he's just this, you know, guy, honestly, he's kind of from this kind of backwater kind of, you know, like up in the, that, you know, it's like, I don't know, the equivalent of like Appalachia or something like that. It's like, you know, he's up in Galilee, you know, they kind of talk funny, uh, you know, but you, you have this genealogy then that traces this connection back to the people of God and even to, to King David, which just shows you, hey guys, it's, uh, it's not about the outward appearances, just like we hear with Moses here. Um, it's about God lining everything up yeah, for this moment with this person. And, and, you know, if you think about it, AJ, Jesus actually takes it even a step further uh, because at least with the disciples, well, they're Galileans, which is, like you said, kind of second-class Jews because you don't live in Jerusalem. You don't live where you should be there, where the, the temple is at. You're up, up you know, north there. Uh, um, and, and, of course, well, Moses, yeah, but Moses, you know, he's got this genealogy to back him up. But then Jesus takes it a step forward because then he goes and he calls, the, he does call the uncircumcised. He does call the goyim, yeah. the Gentiles. Yeah. Uh, although that's the irony, if you go back to the whole original promise he made to the first father of Israel, to Abraham, he said all along, it's not just about you and your people, but all along I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth through you and through your offspring. So, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, that, that's well said. So, I, I mean, and of course, um, I mean, things get really then uh, put into even bigger perspective, I think, when you go and, of course, in the Gospel of John, how in the beginning, well, you kind of have the ultimate genealogy where it's just like, well, actually, he's just the Son of God, you know, before the world <laughs> was made. So, I mean, it, it really is just, just kind of the scandal of the disconnect here. So um, what we should talk a little bit more about, so why, why does this even show that he's not just an Israelite, but kind of an, an impressive one by his genealogy? But we'll get there in a minute here, everybody. We're going to take a short break, but hang on. We're looking at Exodus 6 on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. In many ways, St. Matthew Lutheran Church in Bel Air, Maryland is just like any other Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod Church. They have worship services each Sunday and reach out to their community, but one thing they don't do is pay their electric bill. Hello, this is Rahema Kavuga, Synod Relations Manager of Lutheran Church Extension Fund. And if you want to hear what St. Matthew actually did to eliminate their electric bill, just visit interesttime.org. That's interesttime.org. Concord Matters is the program where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, Christ-confessing Concordians read through and discuss the Book of Concord, which is our Lutheran confession of faith drawn from Holy Scripture, so that you too may be of one mind and confess with Christ. Be sure to listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central on KFUO Radio or anytime on KFUO.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Until we convene for Concord again, keep confessing, church. Our listeners and supporters are talking about Worldwide KFUO. We live in Accra, Ghana, West Africa. We listen to KFUO through the internet. It's nice to listen to a church service going on here in the U.S. The music and the talk shows, it's been very uplifting, really encouraging. So thank you. Bringing the word of Christ to listeners around the world. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. Worldwide KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Exodus chapter 6 here, and we were just talking about the, the kind of chapter as a whole and this, this idea of uncircumcised lips here in the middle, which is kind of this, this key bridge theme. Uh, we want to come back and circle around and talk about some of these things in more detail now. We're joined today by our guest. We got Pastor John Lekumski from Southern Illinois, also host of Wrestling with the Basics, one of the co-hosts that show is on KFUO, 9 a.m. Central on Saturdays. Uh, if you've got a question for me or Pastor Lekumski, give us a call, 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org, and we'll be taking a look at some of those email questions right now. And you can also, if you just type in a question or a comment in the box here on the live stream at facebook.com slash aj.espinosa, I can uh, go ahead and take a look at some of those as well. 
But yeah, let's uh, let's come back around here, John, before we um, just spend the entire time talking about circumcision, which is just, uh, you know, fantastic. <laughs> I mean, it's just circumcision and, and genealogies. I mean, it's just the best stuff. Um, but <laughs> circling around just a little, a little bit here, um, it's interesting in this dialogue that you have between Moses and, and the Lord here, it feels very similar to some of the dialogues before, but but I don't know. Maybe maybe the emphasis is a little bit different. Um, some of the email questions were were uh, kind of coming in about, I guess, about the kind of the slavery and the oppression. Like you know, is this in chapter six now? God kind of finally hearing uh, the the cry for help for being treated uh, badly by you know um, to make a, a connection here, uh, law enforcement, right? Um, or you know the oppression of those in authority, right? I mean, so I, I think that. This kind of speaks to us in our situation, too, or at least we kind of um, feel the same wavelength. Is that what this is getting at, or is it a different situation that maybe we shouldn't be so quick to draw parallels to? Well, so, so I, here's how I see the situation. Uh, God had come and sent Moses to the Israelites saying, you know, uh, so God already knows the problem. It's not like he hasn't heard the cry yeah. before. Uh, that's why Moses is there. But but the problem is things aren't getting better. Things are getting worse. <laughs> Okay, so I thought you were going to deliver us. Well, instead of delivering us, uh, Pharaoh has just made our slavery all the harder. So things are th things are worse now than before you came into the picture, and and that's Moses' question: what what what's going on here? Um, and, and I think what's really neat is, is the very first verses of chapter six. God says, not only am I going to deliver you from slavery, but Pharaoh's actually going to order you. <laughs> it's not that he's going to just let you go, but he will actually command you to leave yeah. Egypt. Um, and, and one of the commentators that I read suggested the reason God did this, the reason he made it worse before he made it better was because the Israelites probably wouldn't have left. Uh, you know, if you look at their history, once they're freed from slavery, they're constantly wanting to go back to Egypt. And, and so that I thought was an interesting suggestion that maybe God actually made the situation worse so the Israelites really would <laughs> leave <laughs> Egypt. If things had gotten better, they might have said, well, that's okay, Moses. It's not too bad here. We'll, yeah. we'll just stick around for it. And, you know, maybe that's the way it is for us, too. Maybe if God hmm. doesn't make this world a harsh place, then maybe we wouldn't want to go to heaven. And that could hmm. be a reality, because sometimes when this place is really nice, I'm thinking, I don't want to die. <laughs> I like mm -hmm. it here. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. That's that's just what that's, I read from one of the yeah. commentators. Oh no, I mean it's that's really interesting. I mean it is it is fascinating that here, at least in our translation, it says, you know, with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. Uh, I mean, uh, you, you know, like so far that that's a uh, that's a little bit different, I think, because so far it's been kind of you know like I I'm going to get you out of here, right? Uh, yes. But but here it, it's kind of like making it very explicit. You know, like no, actually, like he's going to send you guys out, um, which which is. Um, which is similar again to I think that contrast that we saw I think it was back in chapter two where you know Moses is kind of like symbolically saying um, here maybe we'll just kind of like commit some crimes and we'll sneak out right yeah, yeah, uh, um, yeah. like like and, and that's maybe how the people of Israel will also go out just the way Moses did and then God's like no 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 they were not going to do this in fact you're actually going to have the king's blessing he's going to order it in fact um, it's not going to be any kind of you know shady criminal, um, you know, and just, and just sneak out while no one's looking. No, um, it's going to be a big public thing. And 
Pharaoh himself will be commanding it. So, I mean, it's really, it's really quite interesting because it, um, it, it feels, it, you know, and, and the thing is, I think, I mean, we're Americans, right? I mean, it's like, you know, it's, it's less than a month away, our celebration of Independence Day. So it's like, you know, this kind of like rebellion, like, you know, ah, down with dictators. It's just like kind of in our blood, but that's, that's not really what's going on here. That's, uh, you know, it, it feels that way. And we kind of like want to like co-opt it, but this, this isn't like, oh, well, we're going to throw off the oppressors, um, and, you know, like assert our own independence. Um, this is, this is God, the Lord of hosts showing that he's actually in control of Pharaoh in Egypt too. And, and in fact, he's going to order them so that they order his people. I mean, I mean, so it's, it's really, a it's a different perspective. Well, and, and, you know, see, it, it fits, it fits perfectly what we have in Romans about there's no authority except established by God. And, and, and so you're right. We're not going to have a, a revolution here. Uh, we're not going to sneak out with uh, some kind of uh, hidden uh, civil disobedience or whatever. No, no. Actually, in the end, Pharaoh himself will order them to leave. But then, of course, you see Pharaoh, out of the hardness of heart, he, he tries to go back on his own words, and he tries to regain them. And, of course, at that point, then Pharaoh and his armies and his chariots are destroyed. And, and I wonder if there isn't a parallel then between the apostles and, and when the authorities, you know, they throw them in jail. All right, well, throw us in jail. Uh, and then they say, but you can't preach Jesus anymore. And at that point, you know, the apostles say, well, um, we're more than willing to obey you. In fact, you can throw us into jail if that's what you think is necessary. But no, we have to obey God rather than men. Uh, and, and I think you're right. I think you've made a good point. We as Americans, we are into this idea of, uh, of like you say, revolution and throw off the tyranny. Uh, but that is certainly not the Christian approach. The Christian approach is to obey the authorities every chance we have, except, except of course, when they just go contrary to what God has commanded. And then we don't really have any choice in the matter. And whatever the consequences are, the consequences are. So, Well, and, and I think that part of it, just like you were saying, you know, whatever the consequences are, that <laughs> I, I think that that's actually pretty key in terms of dealing with sinful our sinful nature. Because if, if the consequence would be, um, and, and we're going to disobey and we're all going to go to jail, that's probably an indication that we we might be doing the right thing. <laughs> yes. it's, a little, it's a little bit crass, but I mean, uh, but on the other hand, if we're going to like disobey and we're going to like, you know, have in, in independence and we're all going to be happy and we're going to have freedom and, you know, more money, that's probably indication that what we're doing is bad. Um, <laughs> not to say that we're actually like seeking our own misery here, but it's just that you, you got to be really suspicious of, of the uh, the, the human heart, right? I mean, because when the disciples, as you were saying, when they go and they disobey, they're not disobeying so they can have more comfortable lives. They're not disobeying so things can be better for them. Uh, they're disobeying uh, because, I mean, it's really, I mean, it's for the sake of God and it's also for the sake of neighbor. The, the neighbor needs to hear the message of salvation. And so they're willing to do that in a self-sacrificial way, um, even if it means they're going to be punished, right? Um, and they Absolutely. submit, and they submit, right, to the punishment. See, so I mean, so that, that's an even a thing there, right? It's like even even when they do disobey, they disobey submissively, and that's what you see. I mean, even with, with the Lord Jesus Himself. So I mean, so that that's the thing here, right? I mean, it's this is you know, if there is any kind of shades of disobedience or 
or, uh, you know, being a subterfuge or subversive or anything like that. It's in a submissive way. So, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, you're looking at the situation today and, you know, there's, um, you know, a lot of, I mean, granted, yes, there, there are certainly some troubling things, um, you know, deeply troubling things. And, and of course, there's just been tragedy um, with, with the abuse of power. However, even if we were to decide like, okay, well, there needs to be some kind of, uh, you know, subversion of this, this corruption or this corrupt authority, you're still called to do it submissively. So, I mean, yeah, it's something for us to chew on. You know, I always thought it was interesting in the story, AJ, that, that Moses doesn't come and call for the freedom of the Israelites. No, that's right. right. No, he just comes and says, we, we want to go out and worship our God. That, that's mm-hmm. all we want. We're not questioning our position. Uh, I, then, again, of course, that's the irony. That's what the Lord is saying to Moses in this chapter. Pharaoh's going to actually order you not to be his slaves. He's going to command you to leave. You know, yeah. which of course, how could that be? But that's what's going to happen. That's exactly, and so the same to us. We we, we see God making us promise, and we're just saying, how can that be? You know, how can we die and have eternal life? Well, it's what's going to happen. Okay, you're right. You you can't do it. You don't deserve it. But uh, through Christ, uh, that's exactly what God has done for us as well. I, well, yeah, I, I, want, to, I want to talk about the, this name though before we're done. I want to talk about this name? I am the Lord. And, and that I, I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that, that's good. That, that's that's good because it's interesting because we had that back in chapter three where he gives him the the divine name Yahweh, and he gives it. We get the explanation of what that means. But yeah, I mean, here it's making it explicit there in chapter three. You know that this is uh, this is not the way that I that they that they knew me. I guess you know is is what it says here. Um, but of course, this this brings up questions about um, consistency uh, and anachronisms and things like this. So, yeah, so what, what do you make of this? That's kind of explicit that, like, oh, that they didn't know me that way, but you do now. Well, of course, that's the irony because they knew him as the Lord, too. You know, there's all kinds of verses before this where, where the patriarchs referred to him as, as the Lord. Um, yeah. I, I mean, the best explanation that I read was that uh, the, the, actually coming from from the rabbis here? <laughs> yeah. and, you know the rabbis they they're they're sharp people. They they know their Hebrew. They know their yeah. Old Testament. Uh, the point simply being that that uh, yeah yeah they knew me. I, I I had told them they used the term Lord, but they really only knew me as uh, El Shaddai because they haven't seen the powerful things that I'm about to accomplish. I told him, I told him I was going to do these powerful things. This whole business about in, being enslaved, he, he told him that. And he told him he would free them from slavery and he'd give. But they haven't seen it. But now they're going to see it. Now they're going to see. And, and so now it's not just El Shaddai, but now it'll be Yahweh. It'll be the Lord. But see, what I like about it, I, I think that uh, fits into us as Christians. Because I think the Lord would also say, but they, they haven't known me in fullness yet. They knew me as El Shaddai. They knew me as the Lord, but I've got an even better name for them to know me by, which will just blow their socks off because they never would have expected God to do this. They'll know me as Jesus, as the God who not only frees them from earthly slavery, but who dies so they can be freed from the slavery of sin, death, and the devil. So I just like that kind of picture that God comes and he says, I'm going to give you some stuff here. I'm going to make you promises about the future, too. But 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 as time goes on, I will reveal that I'm also the God of that future, the God who fulfills those promises as well. 
Uh, certainly. I think that, well, I mean, it's, um, we, we got to go back to, again, like in chapter three, what's, what's the meaning? Uh, there he says, you know, that, that form, um, ahwe, you know, which is then what we get the Yahweh from, you know, I will be with you, right? Um, and, and that, what's fascinating about that is that, as you were saying, it's not as if this is the first time that God's ever said that. Um, in fact, when you, when you go back to Genesis 31, um, he says it, you know, uh, I will be with you, he says that to Jacob, um, you know, back in Exodus or Genesis uh, 26, right? There he's, um, he's talking to, I mean, what is it there? He's, he's talking to Abraham and Isaac, right? Um, Isaac, I think in particular. And he says again, you know, I will be with you. And of course, you know, what did he say to, to Abraham, right? You know, I will be, um, you know, your God and the God of, you know, your descendants. So that I will be that promise language. It was there already in that sense. Um, but but yeah, I do I do wonder to what extent you know they were actually like uh, calling him um, that at that point yet. Um, you know I know that we have instances where you have that in the in the Old Testament, but you know I mean I've kind of said this already. I, the way I kind of feel um, about it is that like Exodus is sort of like what Moses is starting with because I mean that's that it's, it's his story, and then like Genesis is almost like the prequel, and so you wonder to what extent like you know from the perspective of Moses sometimes he just puts in. Yahweh, because that's what he calls him, right? Even though, um, you know, he wasn't known that way. Like, if I were to write a biography of my father, right, I, I might say, you know, and, and th then, you know, when dad was three years old, he, he went and he, he did this, and, uh, you know, it was the first time he broke a bone or something like that, right? And, and dad had to go to the hospital. And you'd say, like, well, did, did, were people already calling him dad at that time when he was three? <laughs> well, no, <laughs> right? But it's, it's, it's like the perspective of the narrator. So I, I wonder if, if it actually that, if it's just kind of something as simple as that, that um, he wasn't actually, like, called that at the time. But, like, for the sake of narration, it's it's okay because it's, it's from the perspective of Moses, right, Genesis. So I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Well, and, and see, I, that makes perfect sense to me. So, so the term that they called him by was El Shaddai. And by the way, here, you, you know, I love trivia, AJ. And, yeah. and of course, everyone, you say El Shaddai. Oh, yeah, uh, God Almighty. Uh, although I was uh, surprised to find that actually we don't know what Shaddai means. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit, it's a little bit slippery, yeah. yeah. Well, because a lot of the, you know, the, the Septuagint and, and the Syriac, a lot of times they just say Shaddai. They, they don't translate it even, which yeah. reminds you that, well, this was a name that was used for God. And, of course, then the Latin comes in and calls him omnipotent all the time. And so then we get our almighty. But I, I it's, so anyway, back to your point. Yeah, you're probably, that's, that's how they referred to him. That was the, in fact, that, that's the whole sense of El Shaddai here, because you go to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and there are Bible passages, Genesis 17, Genesis 28, Genesis 35, where God explicitly comes to those three men and says, I am God almighty. I am mm -hmm. El Shaddai. Uh, but, but I like what you brought up, the fact that it actually means I will. And so I will implies that it's still something in the future and you can't really use that name until it's all fulfilled and done, right? Until he's right. done what he said he was going to do. And then it's no longer just I will, but I am, I have, I've done, it's here, it's accomplished. So, um, well, I, I, well, think, I think... I, I was going to say, too, like that, that idea, you know, the, the, the I will, the futureness, the promise of it, right? That, that kind of gets me yeah. another question that we got over email, which was, you know, so, I mean, is God really like 
only responding to, you know, the cries of oppression of people who are under his banner, so to speak, or is it, you know, all people? And I, I mean, it's it's kind of a, a little bit of a, a yes and no, because on the one hand, um, you know, God here in particular, he, he's not, this isn't just kind of a liberation theology of like God's just going around freeing all the slaves. Uh, the, the purpose, right, as we've been talking about, is particularly so that, you know, in the sight of Egypt, you know, uh, that they would all know, right? That, that's, that's, and that's really the key, I think. We get back to the seeing and the knowing. You will see and you will know, right? You will, that's what it says in verse 7, you know, you shall know that I am the Lord God. I mean, that's the idea in verse 3 there, like, I did not make myself known to them. I, I think more than the name thing, we're getting at what the name means, because yes. from their perspective, this, this salvation moment was still in the future. You know, it hadn't, it hadn't happened yet. God hadn't, you know, rescued them from slavery in this big way and um, shown just in the sight of everybody. You know, God made this promise to Abraham and said, well, yeah, all nations of the earth are going to be blessed through your seed. But, you know, he didn't see that kind of happen in the, in the presence of all the nations yet. So, I mean, I think in that sense that there is this, uh, this kind of like bigger picture idea where by God, particularly showing favor and grace to the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and through Moses, that is the way that everyone gets brought in in the sight of all people. So, I mean, you know, that's the whole like covenant language stuff, and we could go on for that uh, a long while. But yeah, I, th I think that, that, that we still have the same emphasis actually here. Like we haven't like shifted to like, oh, I just want to go free all the slaves everywhere. This is, as you were saying, it's all this plan that is to bring in the future blessing. So, so that, yeah, that, that's the crucial thing, that, that it's all about what God plans to do in the future. And of course, the, the, the problem with the Jews is they think, oh, it's been fulfilled. We, we, we have been given the land of Cana. Although, well, apparently that hasn't been fulfilled because you've lost all that. You, you don't have that anymore. Uh, if that's what it was all about, well, then God is a colossal failure. He, he, he worked it out for you for a while, but apparently not anymore. And of course, there are people who still believe, yeah, that's the plan, that in the end, uh, the Jews are going to have Jerusalem. They'll have, uh, that'll all be back theirs again. And uh, but of course, I, I think uh, as uh, Lutheran Christians, we think, no, 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 that that was just part of the plan. God made that promise. He made that promise to those people. You see him keeping that promise, that covenant right now. But that was just a small part of the promise. The promise was, as you pointed out, it was really to be to all people and all nations. And it's not about earthly slavery because earthly slavery is a horrible, terrible thing. I'm not in favor of earthly slavery. OK, right. And it's it's interesting that wherever Christianity spread slavery came to an end and you have to wonder if if probably uh, uh christianity wasn't the foremost thing that caused this practice which was pretty much all over the world to to slowly uh come to a cessation uh but right. obviously you no know, the bigger thing is that we'd be freed from sin and from death uh and, and the devil Right. Yeah. No, I, I, th I think you are right there that it's it's not as if we're saying, you know, like, oh, well, you know, the oppression and the authoritarianism, the corruption, like that's all fine. No. Um, in fact, it actually kind of comes around the back way, as you were saying, that by God committing himself to this this bigger promise of salvation, this future covenant and bringing in the peoples, that that's what paves the way for the church to uh, work for the sake of the neighbor, 
right, against institutions like slavery. Um, but it's not really the focus here. The focus is actually, as you were saying, even bigger than that. But it ends up including it um, in the end. But let's go ahead then. We've, we've talked, I think, well, about AJ, this. AJ, yes. can I make just one quick point? See, you cannot really end racism by trying to stop racism. You can only end racism by changing the hearts of people so that they are hearts of love. That's the only way you can change any of these horrible things that are going on in our world right now. Uh, we, we, I'm not saying we can't use the law to try to change those things. Of course we can do it. But the problem is the law doesn't change people's hearts. But, but uh, the gospel of God's love in Jesus Christ does. Well, I mean, it's the, it's the seeing and knowing, right? When you see right. the Son on the cross, when you know the love of God through Christ and what he has done, that's what changes things. And God has yeah. to make us see. God has to help us to know. So um, turning then to like the second half and just spending a little bit of time just kind of focusing on the, the list here then. So you, you've got this list, and it starts off with Reuben, um, and it's, it's going through then the sons of Israel like this. And it's interesting because, I mean, we, we go and we get, we get Reuben, um, Simeon, and then Levi. And then once we get to Levi, this is the pattern, right? Then once we get to Levi, now we're talking about the sons of Levi, those being Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. And because we read numbers, um, you know, several months ago, these names might sound a little bit familiar. But so it seems that we're, we're not just kind of naming a bunch of people, but this is a way of bringing out uh, the position of Levi, ultimately, right? Yes, yes, exactly. The importance of the priesthood. Yeah. So, so I mean, this is really quite something then, because far from him being a, a man of um, uncircumcision, um, he's he's not even just an Israelite. He's actually an heir to the priesthood. I mean, I, I mean, that's that's what we have going on here. So, I mean, that's and that's a that's a pretty big deal. It's sort of just like he's not just an Israelite. He's like an Israelite Israelite, um, <laughs> and and that becomes important later as well. Um, yes. in, in, partic in, in particular, I was, I was thinking, um, you know, because we, we got Aaron mentioned here also, right? So they're, they're both um, sons of Kohath, and, and we see the, the Kohathites. They're the ones who kind of deal with the kind of inner parts of the sanctuary. Um, you know, they're the ones who are just a little, a little bit closer to, to the, the presence of God. Um, the, the Gershonites and the Merites, they, they're kind of in the external positions. So not only is he a son of um, Levi, but of Kohath, uh, which is then what is significant because you see then, even though Moses does not have uh, sons who go on to take up the priesthood, Aaron does. And in fact, th that's, I think, why Aaron's sons are, are mentioned here, right? Because it yeah, that's interesting stopped. that Moses' sons don't get any notice. Yeah, no, Aaron's not sons not do not that. even mentioned, right? Because ironically, yeah. right, that would that would kind of bring up the uncircumcision thing a little bit, ah, right? Yeah. right? Be because he's got a he's got a foreign wife, um, and and that was a little bit of the thing with uh, you know the angel of the Lord coming after him, right? Because apparently he hadn't he had not um, circumcised his son, probably Eliezer. Right, which is you know, so it's like, well, we're we're not focusing on that. We're focusing on the the circumcision here, and so you know, we get um, you know Aaron and Elisheba 
and them giving rise to Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, Ithamar, right? Um, who, you know, and then actually it even goes even on to Phineas, which is really interesting that you would even go down to Phineas, right? Because, you know, Phineas, what do we know about him? Well, he's the guy who takes, uh, in some ways, he's kind of taking over for Joshua there um, at the end of Joshua. So, I mean, what this is, this is all pointing to, right, is it's not even just the genealogy, really, of Moses and Aaron, but it's just showing that, actually, no, this is the line, and it's going to, it's going through them right now, and it's going on, it's going onward, too, and it's already anticipating the promise, right? I mean, like, what, what yes. I was just saying, like, going in, I mean, that's what's going to happen, like, under Phineas, right? They're, they're going to go, and they're going to take the promised land. It's going to happen. And, and the only other thing that, since we've only got a limited time, that I think you need to point out in this genealogy is that, again, you don't need to mention the mothers. They're never mentioned, right? Women are not mentioned generally. And yet the two women that are mentioned here as one, Shaul, who, who is a Canaanite, mar married a Canaanite, or a son of a Canaanite woman, I'm sorry. And then it's interesting that, that uh, Moses and Aaron's mom and dad were involved in what would be a, a, a incestuous relationship and that mm. he married his father's sister. Uh, and again, check out the genealogy of Jesus because you have the same thing. You have all these women, these mothers mentioned that don't need to be mentioned, and they're all sinners. So I think that's the thing. Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> it, yeah, no, I mean, there's, you talk about incest and things like that. Um, I, I mean, one one of the things to, to think about is that, you know, whenever you have mentioned the, the word brother or sister, those things are not necessarily as quite as close as they always are. These uh, family terms have kind of, especially in antiquity, were kind of notoriously vague. Um, you know, like there are a lot of words that could kind of mean cousin or brother or second cousin, you know, so it's not necessarily saying that you know yeah. it's his his, his yeah, but aunt I think but the fact, i think the fact that it's even taken time to mention it here well, is to definitely yeah. connect it to the forbidden uh things in leviticus otherwise why bother to even mention that it was his father's sister so i right. I, I hear what you're saying that's, but that's I think fair, right? this, fair this genealogy is saying yeah this was kind of not what probably we would have accepted it but that that's the whole point this is god's plan and sinners don't stop god's plan that's right that's right sinners that's is what right god's plan is all about yeah. just just like moses it wasn't up to moses whether it stood or yeah. fell it was about god's grace which was more than enough Thank you so much, brother. Thank Always you, a pleasure Adrian. talking to you. God bless you. Hope you keep uh, feeling well. And yeah, God bless. I'm looking forward to having you on again real soon. Everybody, that was Pastor John Lukomsky from Southern Illinois, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics, 9 a.m. Central Saturdays on KFUO. Till next time, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.